and it, it was amazing. I mean, I got to meet Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton, Jensen Button, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel, all of the all of the, the top drivers and some of my heroes from, from being a kid. Um, and not only did I get to meet them by going to the track and going to the races and spending time around them, but I also got to work in a company the size of Mercedes. Welcome to The Edge, the official podcast of the SSC Forum. The SSC Forum brings together people like you, the IT practitioner, who are conquering the biggest challenges in networking and security. Together, the members of the forum share strategy, uncover requirements, and discuss best practices for enabling the modern workplace through security delivered at the network edge. To learn more about the SSC Forum, go to sscforum.com. IO. This podcast is sponsored by Access Security. Access Security secures the modern workplace. They make access to resources and applications impossibly simple and completely seamless. Take the Access 29 minute challenge. See how easy secure application delivery can be. Learn more at accesssecurity.com. And now, on to the podcast. In episode two of The Edge, we meet our hosts, Jay and John. Learn how they started their careers in IT, the interesting jobs they had along the way, and why they believe the Secure Service Edge is the future of remote networking and security. And on to the podcast. So Jay, welcome, man. This is, uh, what, podcast number two? So why don't we why don't we start with um, why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and um, your first exposure to technology? What uh, what what made you interested in in pursuing this path that you've uh, you've obviously been on for a period of time? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, actually, I kind of fell into IT. I guess kind of by accident. I um I went to university in the early nineties. And I actually went to university to do a mathematical course. Uh, my degree was going to be in maths, but I had an option when I got there to extend it and, and do mathematical computing. So to do some modules in, in maths and some modules in computing. I'd never really had that much exposure back then. I mean, we're talking the early 90s. We're talking the exposure I had would have been to a friend's ZX Spectrum or a Commodore 64 playing like Bomberman or something like that. I... I Home PCs were not not around then. The internet was not a thing. And I, I think as I got more and more into the university course, I, I got more and more fed up with mathematics and got more and more kind of interested in the computing side of things. Uh, we did some programming in, in Fortran and Ada and some C. And in my final year, my project was on uh, creating a student database for, for student records, which actually the university ended up using for a while. Um, but I guess my real exposure, and, and this is a funny story, my real exposure to, to computers was starting playing a game called Doom. So for anyone that, that is as old as me, <laughs> Doom was quite a big deal. Uh, so I started playing a game called Doom. I went out and bought myself a Pentium 75, uh, and I played with my friends, 
And then ID Software released a game called Quake, which was kind of the first kind of multiplayer game at the time. Um, the graphics are laughable now compared to what it's about nowadays. Um, and I played Quake heavily throughout the whole of my final year. I mean, we, we played tournaments, we played in leagues. I spent a lot of time messing around with uh, auto exit bat files, getting my sound card working, getting things on the network, setting up a network in the, in the house we used to stay in. And I really cut my teeth, I guess, on actually computer support, we'll call it, by getting the games working. Uh, and then my first ever job, uh, I got through playing in a Quake tournament in a local sports center. So you took your computer along with your monitor and everything, and you sat there and you played you, you played Quake against other people. You played Deathmatch. And at the tournament, there were some people from the company ID Software who were doing support via a local a UK company. Uh, they went around and tapped some of us on the shoulder and said, if you turn up for an interview on, on, on Friday, uh, and, and we'll, we'll give you a, a job potentially supporting the game. I didn't know at that particular time that the interview was going to be 32 people in a room playing deathmatch, and the top three people who won got the job. Um, so that's how I ended up getting my, my kind of first real exposure into IT, was playing computer games, uh, being successful at it, and ending up supporting it. Uh, and that's kind of how I got into it. Wow, that's uh, that's a quite a journey there. Um, my first exposure was really, as a young kid, um, I remember my father bringing home a Newsweek uh, magazine, and it had Bill Gates on it. And he's telling me, you know, this is this is the future, man. This is where you need to, this is where you need to focus your time and uh, get ahead of things. And uh, I kind of blew him off at the time because my interests were elsewhere. It was, you know, like a young kid at the time, I was going to be an NBA basketball player. That was my, my dream. Uh, or uh, the other one was uh, I wanted to fly uh, F-15s for the Air Force. And uh, that, that was my focus for a while. And then, of course, my eyes went bad and uh, I could no longer shoot the jump shot. And, uh, you know, flying an F-15 was not going to happen. So... I turned my attention into um, uh, studying history, studying politics, uh, dived deep into that. And when I went to college, um, that was my focus was, uh, you know, I was going to be a diplomat or, or something of that sort. But um, at the same time, I had some friends that were interested in computers. And so uh, I had a gentleman that I knew from a foreign country in Sri Lanka, and he was heavily into computers and, 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 uh, you know, that was going to be his, his career. Uh, and interestingly enough, um, at that time I got interested and I ended up buying my own, uh, I gosh, what was it? A 286, I think it was, um, computer at, at the local store. Uh, it had the big discs in it. Um, it was great for playing baseball and, and some other games like that, but word processing was something that I did. But, uh, you know, I pursued that path of, of politics and in history, um, wasn't very successful in it. I learned that uh, you know, getting a job in that field was hit or miss. It was feast or famine um, and uh, worked some odd jobs and then eventually needed a, a career. I needed a focus in my life. And um, the more and more I thought about it, the, I enjoyed solving puzzles and I enjoyed a job that nothing was the same. So yeah. it was constantly changing. 
you had to learn, you had to study, you had to get ahead of the curve. And um, so uh, after I graduated from college a few years later, went back to community college and focused in on um, kind of the field of, of computer sciences. And um, first it was, the interest was in expert systems. So, um, you know, how do you program a, for instance, a, a manufacturing plant and, 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 you know, how do you make things happen there? But then eventually I learned that, you know, that was great, but there's this other thing called infrastructure and, yes. and servers and, and there's networks and uh, fell right into, at the time, Novell was the primary operating system for, for server systems. Fell into that pretty hard, um, got certified on that, ended up with a consulting job that led me into uh, working for some major uh, wood products plants. The wood products are very popular here in the Northwest. And uh, they had a, a number of plants all over the United States. So I uh, had an opportunity to travel all across the United States and, and learn a lot about how to put together server systems, but also got exposed to networking as well. So um, I always enjoyed seeing the network guys uh, would go into a plant and recable it and upgrade the equipment, the switches, the routers, all the components there. And I thought, that's pretty cool. That's exciting. And uh, fell headlong into that area and and uh, ended up running down the whole Cisco track of, of network engineering. So that was kind of my start. Yeah, I mean, it sounds not too dissimilar to mine, to be honest. Um, obviously, working at a gaming company is, is, is a great job when you're young and they used to supply free breakfast and free lunch and free pizza. So you quite often be there like long hours supporting uh, people phoning up and being stuck, um, stuck on certain levels. But after about 18 months, I thought, I'm never going to make a career out of gaming. Maybe in hindsight, it was a mistake, but at the time, it wasn't as easy as I think it is now. Um, and I decided I had to move. I'm like, this isn't getting me anywhere. I need to, to as much fun as it may be, it's, it's not really helping me move forward. But whilst I was there, I had spent a lot of time doing things like working on the switches, working on the network, helping them upgrade systems, uh, helping with email systems, helping with that kind of stuff, and just really kind of doing a bit of overtime for them, earning a bit of extra money and trying to help out the local IT team. And, and, and that worked really well because it helped me to move on to the next role. I went to, to work for a company called Carlson Wagonly, and they, they look after uh, travel for big corporate, so they do corporate travel. Um, and whilst I was there, I, I, I really got my kind of teeth into the real infrastructure type stuff. So they had Novell. Uh, I was responsible for taking their Novell out and putting NT in. Um, we also migrated from an MS mail server to, to an exchange, to Microsoft Exchange. Uh, we did a lot of stuff with Windows 95. Um, I got to meet Bill Gates at a conference, actually came over to Microsoft UK and I got to meet him, which was great. Um, oh, wow. And I was there about 18 months, and then it was, it, I was moving in with a girl actually at the time, and we wanted to move a bit closer to where her parents lived. And, and the commute to, to the place I was working to Carlson Wagonly was, was quite long. So I swapped jobs really to, to, to move house. And I think that's where my career really did change. I, I went to work for a Japanese uh, manufacturer, head office in Japan, um, and I was responsible for everything IT in Europe. Um, I had a small team of people and it grew over the years. 
and I, I was responsible for pretty much everything infrastructure-wise. They had sites all over Europe, so Milan, Rome, Dusseldorf, Copenhagen, Oslo, Helsinki, Stockholm, Paris, Madrid, all throughout the US as well, throughout Asia, uh, like I said, head office to Japan. And it was a real steep learning curve. I, I was still relatively young at the time, and I, I had to visit all of those sites pretty much 10 times a year, every site 10 times a year, including going to the US, um, going to Japan. I remember first landing in Japan, and, and Japan had been a closed country for a long period of time. You, I, I landed at the airport and there was not a single sign in English. I didn't even know where baggage claim was or how to find the train station. And I was given a, a piece of paper with Japanese writing on and, and told to, to find my way to, to the hotel. Um, and that was, that was a real, like I said, that was a real big learning curve. I had to learn technology really quickly, but I also had to learn the cultural differences between, between countries. I mean, there's very big differences between culture in Japan and the culture in the US. And, and, and a lot of people say the culture in Europe, but actually Europe's multiple countries and, and they're not all the same culture. Um, so I guess I went through, I was there for about 10 years. I moved systems from NT4 servers and MSML to Windows 2000 and 2003, and then from uh, MSML to Exchange in 5.5 and then Exchange 2003. Um, we, we did it across Europe first, and then I went off to the U.S. for about six months and helped them do it in the U.S. And then I got seconded. Um, at the time, I was running the, the Global IT Committee. We used to call it the Git, which was quite funny. Um, but I got seconded and spent uh, two lots of six months in Japan, living in Japan, to, to basically help, those, uh, help them do the migration to, to a single active directory and single email system. And my time in Japan was amazing. I mean, I got to see a lot of Japan on the weekends. I would go sightseeing and have a look around. But I also got to understand the culture. And I spent a lot of time, I guess, really brokering conversations between Japan and, and, and the rest of the world. Um, the Japanese tend to think a lot about things and then make a decision after they've thought a lot. Americans, in my experience, tend to be a little bit more gung-ho and kind of move a little bit faster or, and, trying to, and trying to hold one back and speed the other up was, was a complicated process, but it was, it was really, really good for, for my career. Um, unfortunately, when I returned from Japan, um, well, not unfortunately at that point. So when I returned from Japan, I, I then went off and was seconded to Denmark. Um, the company had bought uh, another, we'd acquired a business in Denmark, head office in Denmark, about 1,500 people. So I went and, and lived in Denmark for a while as well, did the integration. But unfortunately, after that, um, was about 2008, 2009, I was laid off. Um, I had spent all the time when I was at Anritsu actually doing a lot of certifications. I, I got a real buzz for doing, for, 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 for learning. And I still got that buzz now. Um, I spend my weekends and any times on flights and any times in hotels just reading books. I had a home lab. And when I say a home lab, I mean I had a, a computer rack full up with equipment in the garage. Uh, and I went through a whole bunch of certifications. I, I did stuff in VMware. I did 20-odd Microsoft certifications. I did some Cisco stuff. I did some Citrix. I did Prince 2. I did ITIL. And I did all those kind of courses. Um, and like I said, unfortunately, Having been seconded in Denmark, when I came back, my job had 
pretty much been filled by somebody who was who was working for me at the time. Obviously, I've been away for two years. Um, global economy wasn't great, and I, and I got laid off. Um, so that's kind of that element. Where did you go next after what you were doing? Yeah, so after uh, working with the consultancy and traveling all across the United States, um, I fell into an opportunity to work with a hospital, um, a local hospital here and close to where I live currently. And um, they had a lot of archaic network technology. So uh, token ring, Biddy, um, a lot of complexity built into that. And, and uh, the hospital was looking to grow. So they knew they had a problem on their network side. And um, I fell into a great situation after reading tons and tons of, of Cisco and, and certifications and uh, getting involved in that. So um, I got the opportunity to re-architect their network, which was pretty, pretty darn awesome. Um, we um, you know, did the whole process, proposal, um, worked with Cisco architects to, you know, make sure that we we're aligned with the technology and had it right-sized for them. Uh, and then we got it uh, through the, the approval process, uh, won the business, and then I had the opportunity to create an entire migration plan with documentation and then conduct that. So uh, had a very successful outcome. And much like you, the economy was uh, taking a, a a twist in the wrong direction. And so um, learned that I had to go start looking for a new role and uh, interviewed at a few locations. But I was able to leverage uh, that documentation to uh, impress uh, a company that uh, was well known in the Pacific Northwest called Columbia Sportswear. So I joined them in uh, 2001, I believe, uh, and they were in the midst of a, a move of, of headquarters from a uh, location in uh, I would say what Northeast Portland to uh, out here in, in Beaverton area. And so what I was, what I did at the hospital, you know, really helped them out to be successful in that journey. So uh, joined as a network engineer, focused on the wide area network. And um, over time uh, that, that company grew. So when I started, they had maybe 40 sites on their wide area network. Um, some were global, the majority of them were local. Uh, that grew over time to, oh my gosh, when I left, uh, you know, in, in the two, 2020s, uh, well over 350 uh -huh. locations. Uh, but I leveraged that, uh, that experience and, and, you know, what I did previously um, to, you know, effectively become, uh, uh, you know, lead engineer for them uh, and then um, managed uh, global communications. So that included all of the network components, um, the physical aspects of the data center, security, as well as the um, the, the tele telephony aspects of it. So, got exposed to you know global networks, um, how to build a data center, how to um, you know uh, uh, do contracts with uh, you know telecom, how to save money, and and techniques associated with that. Um, I also got, you know, uh, as part of that journey, I, I learned that uh, that technology on the networking side hadn't changed much since uh, the early 90s and in some cases the 80s and um, got exposed to the software to find uh, networking movements at a very early part of that journey. So, um, you know, saw the value in that and, and really got excited about that, the ability to 
you know, take what were in the past hardware assets, transition them to software, and um, really create some business agility out of that that technology. So got excited about that. Uh, we we did some small deployments at at the company, and then um, had this fortuitous uh, situation where. Um, I got involved with software-defined WAN, so that was a, another big area that I focused in on. It had a very relevant uh, uh, need at, at the company I was working at. Um, we had started uh, moving to more of a direct-to-consumer model, which meant more retail stores, which meant our WAN costs increased, uh, and we had a legacy point-of-sale system that was client-server. It's probably designed back in the era of grunge rock music, so if you're familiar with Pacific Northwest uh, music, Nirvana. That's about the lineage of that that system. Uh, and the company wanted to, you know, leapfrog a few iterations and move to a cloud-based model. So the alignment between a legacy WAN based on MPLS and all the data flowing back to a data center and a cloud-delivered point-of-sale system just wasn't there. And so saw the need for software-defined WAN uh, was one of the early pioneers in that movement, uh, had some good success there. Also got involved with um, several startups uh, along that journey, both because of software-defined networking and software-defined WAN. So saw some insight into, you know, how can we bring innovation into an area that uh, was, you know, dominated by, uh, you know, a single company and then some minor companies to, uh, you know, after a few years, we saw that explosion of, of technologies within the wide area network software-defined WAN. Um, so that was very exciting to, to work in, in that area and see how the other half lives in a sense. Um, and then eventually um, ended up running all of infrastructure for, uh, for the company. And uh, that was exciting. Um, and really it was about uh, you know, creating a culture of uh, success and um, learning. So we had this situation where we had engineers that were well tenured, so lots of experienced, uh, you know, very knowledgeable people. But what we didn't have is a lot of the um, the young, uh, hungry engineers that were just starting their careers. And I realized that you know we needed to invert that pyramid. We needed to make sure that we we're growing that base of of you know the new folks coming into the in the industry. Um, and um, as a result, when we had attrition, for whatever reason, somebody got a better opportunity somewhere else, we would um, try to bring in some new engineers, some, some young you know, men or women that uh, were just embarking on their career. And as a result, we needed to create a culture of, of mentoring. So the, the older engineers, the, the ones that are more seasoned, the more experienced, would um, you know, take the, the younger engineers and, and pull them aside and help them understand the technology, where they needed to be, what you know, was important in terms of learning it and, and, and really help grow them and mentor them. Uh, we had great success with that. So um, the, the experienced engineers got to do the, the stuff that they love to do, which you know, architect new solutions, um, put in new uh, technologies, whereas the, the younger engineers got you know, hands-on experience with operational side of things. So, the care and feeding of a network or you know, server or you know compute platforms. So that's some really good success there, and and it was a pretty awesome achievement and a pretty awesome career. And I got to work with some wonderful people. Okay, that, that sounds really interesting. Um, well, funnily enough, when when I got made redundant, we call it made redundant in the UK. When I got made redundant from um, 
from Amritsar, I had a, a small kind of panic of what am I going to do next? I've been at a company for a long time. But I was very lucky to to land a role that I guess really for, for me was almost perfect. Uh, I went to work for a company called Mercedes High Performance Engines. Uh, and I'd been a, a Formula One fan pretty much all my life since I was a kid. And Mercedes High Performance Engines, uh, that are now actually called AMG Powertrain, make their engines for some of the Formula One teams. And, and, and at the time I joined, as I was joining as a consultant to, to help out with, with the younger generation of people coming through, really, to help them come on board and how to do projects and stuff. But uh, I joined the day after Lewis Hamilton won his first championship for McLaren. And the Mercedes engine was in the McLaren at the time. It was also in the, in, in the Braun the following year, and the Braun went on to win the following year. Um, and it, it was amazing. I mean, I got to meet Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton, Jensen Button, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel, all of the all of the, the top drivers and some of my heroes from, from being a kid. Um, and not only did I get to meet them by going to the track and going to the races and spending time around them, but I also got to work in a company the size of Mercedes. Um, I'd come from, I guess, a, a mid-sized company of 5,000 staff, and there I am in a, in a company of Mercedes that had hundreds of thousands of staff. I got a little bit involved in the, in the kind of the Chrysler merger that they were doing at the time, and I spent some time over in Germany working on that. Um, I got to work with some big fluid dynamic systems that needed huge CPU memory and storage. I got to work on some replacement of their virtual platform. I got to work on email and, and file archiving and, and I, I actually helped move um, their whole operating environment from a business called Ilmore. Um, actually, not very far, like across the street, but it was pretty critical. And I know it doesn't sound a lot, it could have been thousands of miles away, but it was moving the whole data center. And the data center was big. I mean, football size type big. Uh, and they wanted to implement a, a DR environment there. So we had a failover data center in another part of the building. And, and, and I really enjoyed that that area of my life. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I miss the culture. I miss the people. I, 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 I miss that travel element. I miss working with all those different people. And, and as, as my contract was kind of coming to an end, I got headhunted uh, for the role at TT. Somebody called me out of the blue and asked me if I'd want to come over for an interview. And funnily enough, I went to the interview dressed in my uh, Mercedes uniform because it just happened to be close to the office. And while I was sat there in reception waiting for the interview, a group of people with the Mercedes uniform walked in to deliver some parts to the company that I was having an interview for. And I've kind of sat there secretly in the corner and they spotted me. Uh, and luckily enough for me, they, they were... <laughs> They were friends, so they never said anything. Um, but I ended up going to TT then. Um, they basically, uh, TT had 20-odd sites globally. They'd grown by acquisition. They'd never connected any of the sites together. There was no information flow between the sites. There were no central systems. There was an IT manager in every site. They didn't speak to each other. And they really wanted me because of, I guess, because of my cultural experience and because of the, the transformation type projects I'd done. Um, and and I, 
and and my first my first project was to put in a global MPLS. So we were talking before about MPLS. So I put in a global MPS network, created a single Active Directory domain, created a single mail environment, and then over the over the next twelve years, did anything from virtualizing all systems across the world, standardizing all infrastructure equipment, backups, Wi-Fi, storage, everything like that. Um, we rolled out a global Wi-Fi solution, implemented a global collaboration tool, um, moved all email from uh, on-prem to the cloud, opened closed and moved multiple sites in multiple countries. Uh, I was also responsible for architectural framework and documentation and, and architecture strategy. I did a lot of work on budgeting and those kind of things. And also, one of the things that I really did enjoy was anything to do with M&A. Um, I was responsible for all due diligence for new businesses that we were looking at buying, uh, integration planning, budgeting, and then going ahead with, with a team of people and performing those integrations. I, I think as I've moved throughout my career, there's been a few things that have really kind of, I've had exciting moments about. VMware was one of those things. Um, but also working with people is now what, what, what I'm excited by. I think we all fall into IT or end up in IT because fundamentally we want to help people. And technology doesn't change that much. Um, I think we're on the kind of next wave of a technology change. We'll get onto in a minute. But um, it doesn't change that much. But people are very different um, all over the globe. You'll never meet two people the same. And I, I guess that the... The most recent projects I've done at, at TT are replacing the MPLS with SD-WAN, because um, most people didn't have done that. Um, and then kind of started the, the, the Zero Trust journey, uh, implementing GTNA um, for remote access. Um, I've also continued to get more certifications. Um, I did some more in virtualization, some more in architecture, but I've now lent a lot more towards kind of leadership, uh, stuff to do with zero trust. I, I did do my MBA a while ago so that I could understand how business worked better and understand all the different bits of a business. And I also got my black belt in karate, um, which is something I actually wish I'd have done when I was younger. I spent some time doing karate when I was younger. I got really close, um, but I never took that next step. So actually, I started from the beginning again. Um, rather than go back at the same level, I started from the beginning and worked my way all the way through. Um, so I'd be interested, really, from we, we've talked a little bit about our careers and a little bit about what we've done, but what what is it that that you enjoy doing in life? Like, what is your favourite food? What what do you do on a weekend? Um, what 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 <laughs> makes you get up in the um, morning? What makes me get up in the morning? Uh... I mean, my kids, obviously, and, and my family uh, make me get up because uh, one of them definitely needs breakfast. So <laughs> there's that. Um, but what do I enjoy? I mean, uh, it really comes down to uh, work-life balance. And, and that was one of the things that kind of drove me in this direction of, of where I am now. Um, I, I had a great career at, at Columbia, and it was a wonderful experience. And I don't regret anything there. It was amazing. Um, but uh, kind of my journey here was uh, 
the events of March 2020, and, and like many folks out there, um, our lives pivoted in, in, in an instant. Uh, and for us, my wife, uh, you know, she's she's an HR director or HR manager, and um, at the time, she she was responsible for for COVID response for her company, and uh, I was responsible for you know infrastructure and 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 spinning up the system so we could support you know people working from home due to the pandemic and uh as well as our kids uh have two young kids and uh, at the time they were no longer going to school they they had remote school via zoom and all of that didn't line up and it, it was just out of balance and and uh so i decided to take a step back and i thought you know this is going to be nice i'm going to support my kids support my family and um, it'll be a three to five month journey here. That didn't work out. It was almost 18 months. Uh, and as I, you know, kind of went through the process last summer of, of thinking about where do I land, what do I need to do, um, the more and more I thought about it, it was I'd seen the world change. And and uh, you know, we had this movement in the 2010s to 2020 and beyond of distributed applications, uh, applications moving out of the data center, moving to, uh, you know, let's call it centers of data across the planet. So examples of that, you know, SAS or an IaaS style application, or maybe PaaS. Um, and 2020, you know, was kind of embarked on this now distributed workforce model. And as I thought about it more and more, um, where I wanted to go and where the world had had uh, you know director directed itself uh, just wasn't uh, going to happen. So um, started looking for opportunities in this new landscape. Uh, let's call it the modern workforce transformation. And uh, you know had this fortuitous talk with uh, some some startups, and and one of them turned out to be Axis, and and uh, got involved in this new movement called the Secure Service Edge. So excited to um, be on this journey and. Uh, um, help, like you said, you know, help others uh, on their journeys to success because, you know, this is kind of the, the future. Uh, folks are not going to be wanting to move back to the office and, and work, uh, you know, the straight eight to nine hours a day like we did in the past. I mean, it's going to be, and we are already kind of on this path, but, uh, you know, starting your day off in the morning, having a cup of coffee, answering emails, maybe doing some work, dropping the kids off at school. Um, maybe it's a cafe, maybe it's a meeting um, offsite. Um, there may be a journey to the office, there may not be, or maybe they're going to the office uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, but the rest of the time uh, they're working from home or working from wherever to get their job done. That's that's the future. It's it's not uh, 40 hours in a chair in a you know a cube anymore. It's um, it's the future is really about delivering applications to anywhere, to any device at any time, and doing that in, in a secure manner. And that's what, uh, if you ask me, what excites me every morning when I get up, um, helping folks on that journey to be successful. That that's that honestly is what excites yeah, me. Yeah, I, I echo a lot of what you say. I, I I think we we were kind of on this journey anyway. I, I think. Cloud had been around for a while. In, in a lot of areas, it maybe hadn't taken off as people expected it to have taken off. Uh, innovation was was moving, but but I think when the pandemic came along, innovation everywhere just took off. Uh, things like Teams and Zoom, 
changed overnight. I mean, the innovation was was very rapid. Um, more and more stuff ended up outside of data centers and in the cloud. So I think we were always going to go down that path, and therefore companies would have needed to put faster internet connections in and all of those kind of things. But I think when the pandemic came along, with all the people leaving that office, leaving that kind of castle in moat and being outside, it's, it's a game changer because you, you can no longer protect those people when they come into your castle. You have to protect them elsewhere. The internet is the new network. And tools existed, as you know, coming from that background, tools existed to, to kind of secure your network, to keep those people safe. Those people aren't on your network anymore. They're on the internet. And the internet historically has never been a safe place. Um, so that's, I think that's what excites me. I mean, food excites me as well. Anyone will laugh that listens to this, that knows me. Food, food excites me day in and day out. I mean, I plan my trips around food. I plan everything around food. But I am excited. And, and I honestly think that it's a culmination of multiple things that have led us down this path. And it's like a snowball rolling down a hill. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and it's unstoppable now. And for the people out there that haven't started the journey yet, I don't think it's a if, I just think it's a when. Thanks for listening to The Edge, the official podcast of the SSE Forum. Look for more great content coming soon as we explore the journey to the Secure Service Edge. And please give us a thumbs up on your favorite podcast platform. And to learn more about the SSC Forum, please check out sscforum.io.